Chapter Seven, A Flower of the Dusk by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An afternoon call. The rap at the North's front door was of the sort which would impel the dead to rise and answer it. Before the echo of the imperative summons had died away, Miriam had opened it and admitted Miss Mattie. I was sewing over to my house, announced the visitor, settling herself comfortably and i surmised as how you might be sewin over here so i thought we might as well set together for a spell i believe in bein neighborly barbara smiled a welcome and miriam brought in a quilt which she was binding by hand as she worked she studied miss mattie furtively and with an air of detachment i come over on the trail roger has wore in the grass continued miss mattie biting off her thread with a snap he's organized himself into sort of a travelin library i take it what with transportin' books at all hours back and forth. After I go to bed, Roger lets himself out and sneaks over here, carryin' readin' matter both ways. But for land's sake, she chuckled, I ain't carin' what he does after I get sleepy. I was never one to stay up after nine o'clock for the sake of entertainment. If there's sickness or anything like that, of course, it's a different matter. Roger's pa was always a great one for readin', and we've both inherited it from him. Roger sits with his books, and I sit with my paper, and we both read, never saying a word to each other, till almost nine o'clock. We're what you might call a literary family. I'm just reading a perfectly beautiful story called Margaret Miriam, or The Maiden's Mad Marriage. Margaret must have been worth looking at, for she had golden hair and eyes like sapphires and ruby lips and pearly teeth. I was reading the description of her to Roger, and he said she seemed to be what people would call a jewel of a girl. Margaret Merriam's mother died when she was an infant in arms, just like your ma, Barbara, and left her to her pa. Her pa didn't marry again, though several was set in their caps for him on account of him being young and handsome and having a lot of money. I suppose being a widower had something to do with it, too. It does beat all how women will run after a widower. I suppose they want a man who's already been trained, but speaking for myself i've always felt as if i'd rather have something fresh and do my own training women's notions differ so about husbands just think what it would be to marry a man thinking he was all trained and to find out that it'd been done wrong you'd have to begin all over again and it'd be harder than starting in with absolute ignorance the man would get restless too when he thought he was graduated and was about ready to begin on a postgraduate course he'd find himself in the kindergarten studying with beads and singing about little raindrops getting an idea into a man's head is like furnishing a room if you can once get a piece of furniture where you want it it can stay there until it's worn out or busted except for occasional dusting and repairing you can add from time to time as you have to but if you attempt to refurnish a room that's all furnished and do it all at once you're bound to make more disturbance than house cleaning it has to be done slow and careful unless you have a liking for rows and if you're one of those kind of women that's forever changing their minds about furniture and their husbands ideas you're bound to have a terrible restless marriage roger's pa was fresh when i took him but unbeknownst to me he'd done his own furnishing and the pieces was dreadful set and hard to move some of em i slid out gently and others took some manoeuvring but steady work tells on anything he was thinking as i wanted him to about most things though when he died and that's saying a good deal for he didn't die until after we'd been married seven years and three months and eighteen days if he wasn't really thinking right he was pretending to 
and that's enough to satisfy any reasonable woman margaret merriam's pa died when she was at the tender age of ten and he left all his money to a distant relation in trust for margaret the relative being supposed to spend the income on her if margaret died before she was of age the relative was to keep it and if she should marry before she was of age the relative was to keep it too but livin to eighteen and marryin afterwards it was all to be margaret's and the relative wasn't to have as much as a two-cent stamp with the mucilage licked off this relative was a sweet-faced lady with a large mole on her right cheek margaret used to call her moley when she was mad at her which was right frequent her name was magdalene mather and she'd been married three times she was dreadful careless with her husbands and had mislaid em all not being able to find em again she just reckoned on their being dead and was thinking of marrying some more seems to me it's a mistake for anybody to marry more than once in one of roger's books it says something about a second marriage being the triumph of hope over experience magdalene mather was dreadful hopeful and kept thinking that maybe she could get somebody who would stay with her without being chained up meanwhile it was to her interest to keep little margaret as young as possible margaret thought she was ten when she went to live with magdalene but she soon learned it was a mistake and she got to be only seven in less than half an hour magdalene put shorter dresses on her and kept her in white and gave her shoes without any heels and these little short socks that show a foot or so of bare leg and which is indecent if fashionable margaret's birthdays kept getting farther and farther apart and as soon as the neighbors begun to notice that margaret wasn't again like everybody else why magdalene would just pack up and go to a new place she didn't go to school but had private teachers because it was in the will that she was to be educated like a real lady any teacher who thought margaret was too far advanced for her age got fired the minute it was spoke of and pretty soon margaret got onto it herself she used to tell teachers she liked to say that she was very backward in her studies and tell those she didn't like that auntie magdalene would be dreadful pleased to hear that she was improving in her readin and arithmetic and grammar meanwhile nature was workin in margaret's interest and she was growing taller and taller every day the short socks had to be took off because people laughed so and magdalene had to let her braid her hair instead of havin it cut dutch and tied with a ribbon when she was eighteen she thought she was thirteen and she was wearin dresses that come to her shoe-tops and her hair in one braid down her back dreadful young hats and no jewels though her pa had left her a small trunk full of rubies and diamonds and pearls magdalene was wearin the jewels herself they were movin around pretty rapid about this time and goin from city to city in order to find better teachers for the dear child as magdalene used to call her one day soon after they'd gone to a new city margaret was goin downtown to take her music lesson she went alone because magdalene was laid up with a headache and wanted the house quiet when the conductor come along for the fair margaret was lookin out of the window and absent-minded like she give him a penny instead of a nickel the conductor give it back to her and asked her if she was so young she could go for half fare and margaret says right sharp when she give him the nickel it's not so long since i was travelin on half fare the conductor says i'd hate to have been hangin up by the thumbs since you was says he of course this made margaret good and mad and she says to the conductor how old do you think i am the conductor says i ain't paid to think during union hours but imagine that you ain't old enough to lie about your age just then an old woman with a green parrot in a big cage fell off the car while she was gettin off backwards as usual and margaret didn't have no more chance to fight with the conductor she saw however that he was terrible good-lookin like the dummy in the tailor's window 
it says in the story that ronald macdonald that was his name was as handsome as a young greek god and though lowly in station he would have adorned a title had it been his margaret got to doin some thinkin about herself and wonderin why it was she didn't seem to age none and whenever she happened to get on to ronald macdonald's car she noticed that he was awful polite and chivalrous to women he waited patiently when any two of em was decidin who was to pay the fare and findin their purses and sayin you must let me pay next time and he would tickle a cryin baby under the chin and make it bill and coo like a bird did you ever see a baby bill i never did neither but that's what it said in the paper i suppose it has some reference to the expense of their comin and their keep through the whoopin cough stage and the measles and so on there don't neither of you know nothin about it cause you ain't married but when roger come his pa was obliged to mortgage the house and the mortgage didn't get took off until roger was out of dresses and goin to school and beginning to write with ink let me see what was i talkin about oh yes ronald macdonald's fine manners when a woman give him five pennies instead of a nickel he was always just as polite to her as he was to anybody and would help her off the car and carry her bundles to the corner for her and everything like that of course margaret couldn't help noticin this and likin him for it though she was still mad at him for what he said about her age one morning margaret give him a quarter so he'd have to make change and while he was doin it she says to him how nice it must be to ride all day without payin for it i'm under age says ronald macdonald with a smile that showed all his beautiful teeth and his ruby lips under his black waxed mustache get out says margaret surprised i am though says ronald confidentially i'm just nineteen how old are you thirteen says margaret softly don't renege says ronald i think we're pretty near of an age when margaret got home she looked up renege in the dictionary but it wasn't there she was too smart to ask magdalene but she kept on thinking one day while she was goin down in the car two men came in and sat by her they was chance acquaintances it seemed havin just met at the hotel your face is terrible familiar to me one of the men said i've seen you before or your picture or something somewhere upon my soul i believe your picture is hung up in my last wife's boudoir good god says the other man turnin as pale as death did you marry magdalene mather too i did says the first man then brother says the second man let us get off at the next corner and go and drown our mutual sorrow in a drink after they got off margaret went out to ronald and she says to him there goes two of my aunt's husbands she's had three and there's two of em right there well says ronald if auntie ain't got a death certificate and two or three divorces put away somewhere she stands right in line to get canned for a few years for bigamy you don't look like you had an aunt that was a trigamist says he margaret didn't understand much of this but she still kept thinking one day while magdalene was at an afternoon reception wearing all of margaret's jewels margaret looked all through her private belongings to see if she could find any divorces and she come on a family bible with the date of her birth in it and her father's will soon she understands the whole game and by doing a small sum in subtraction she sees that she's going on nineteen now she's afraid to leave the proofs in the house overnight so she wraps him up in a newspaper and flies with him to her only friend ronald macdonald and asks him to keep em for her until she comes after em he says he will guard them with his life when margaret goes back after them havin decided to face her aunt and demand her inheritance ronald has already read em but of course he won't let on that he has he convinces her that she ought to get married before she faces her aunt so that a husband's strong arm will be at hand to defend her through the terrible ordeal 
margaret thinks she sees a way out for she has been studying up on law in the meantime and she remembers how ronald had told her he is under age and she knows the marriage won't be legal but will serve to deceive her aunt so she flies with him and they are married and then when they confront magdalene with the will and the family bible and their marriage certificate and tell her she is a trigamist they will make trouble for her if she don't do right by em magdalene sobs out oh heaven i am lost and falls in a dead faint from which she don't come out for six weeks in the meantime margaret has thanked ronald macdonald for his great kindness and says he can go now as the marriage ain't legal he being under age and not having his parents consent ronald gives a long loud laugh and then he digs up his family bible and shows margaret how he is almost twenty-five and old enough to be married and that women have no patent on lying about their ages and that he is not going away margaret swoons and when she comes to she finds that ronald has resigned his job as a street-car conductor and has bought some fine clothes on her credit and is prepared to live happy ever afterward he bids eternal farewell to work in a long impassioned speech that's so full of fine language that it would do credit to a minister and there margaret is in a trap of her own making with a husband to take care of her money instead of an aunt next week i'll know more about how it turns out but that's as far as i've got now ain't it a perfectly beautiful story miriam muttered some sort of answer but barbara smiled it is very interesting she said kindly i've never read anything like it it's a lot better than the books you and roger waste your time over returned the guest much gratified but i can't lend you the papers cause there's five waitin after the postmaster's wife and goodness knows how many of them has promised others i don't mind runnin over once in a while though and tellin you about em while i sew it keeps em fresh in my memory she added happily and roger is so busy with his law books he don't have time to listen to em except at supper he reads law every evening now and he didn't used to guess he ain't wastin so much time as he was been down to the hotel yet she asked inclining her head toward miriam once answered miriam reluctantly there ain't many come yet the postmaster's wife tells me there's a young lady at the hotel named miss eloise wynne and every day but saturday she gets a letter from the city addressed in a man's writin and every afternoon when the boy brings the hotel mail down to go out on the night train there's a big white square envelope in a woman's writin addressed to dr allen conrad some place in the city the envelope smells sweet but the writin is dreadful big and splashy lookin know anything about her miss mattie gazed sharply at miriam over her spectacles no returned miriam decisively thought maybe you would anyhow you don't need to be so sharp about it cause there's no harm in asking a civil question my mother always taught me that a civil question called for a civil answer i should think from the letters and all that he was her steady company shouldn't you it's possible assented barbara seeing that miriam did not intend to reply there's some talk at the sewin circle of gettin you one of them hand sewin machines continued miss mattie so's you could sew more and better barbara flushed painfully thank you she answered but i couldn't use it i much prefer to do all my work by hand all right assented miss mattie good-humouredly it ain't our idea to force a sewin machine onto anybody that don't want it we can use some of the money in gettin a doormat for the front door of the church and if i was you i wouldn't let my pa run around so much by himself if he wants to borrow a dog to go with him roger would be willin to lend him judge bascom's fido if the judge wasn't willin roger would try to persuade him lendin fido would make law easier for roger and be a great help to your pa i must go now and get supper good-bye i've enjoyed my visit ever so much come over some time miriam you ain't very sociable good-bye the two women watched miss mattie scudding blithely over the trail which 
as she said roger had worn in the grass miriam looked after her gloomily but barbara was laughing don't look so cross auntie chided barbara no one ever came here who was so easy to entertain humph grunted miriam and went out but even barbara sighed in relief when she was left alone she understood some of roger's difficulties of which he never spoke and realized that the much maligned bascom liver could not be held responsible for all his discontent she wondered what roger's father had been like and did not wonder that he was unhappy if his nature was in any way akin to his son's but her mother how could she have failed to appreciate the beautiful old father whom barbara loved with all the passion and strength of her young heart he mustn't know said barbara to herself for the hundredth time father must never know end of chapter seven